0: You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Welcome to Grace Matters, um, where we apply grace to discussions of relevance and importance to the church. My name is Neil Manning, one of your elders here at Grace Community Church. And uh, before we get started, let me remind you that if tonight's discussion piques questions for you, or if you want to go ahead and uh, ask questions about next week when we discuss the Lord's Supper, be sure to email those comments and questions to grace matters at graceccnc.org. I want to jump right into our scripture, which will set the direction for tonight's topic. And that comes from the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. On one hand, with how to interpret the first chapters of Genesis, all the way to the other end, on how to interpret the end times in Revelation. In the middle are many equally challenging issues that church history, uh, and can for us also today, become divisive. One such blessing is how to understand and practice the ordinances Christ left his church. Tonight is the first half of a panel discussion in which the elders will be discussing how we at Grace have come to understand and practice the sacraments of baptism and communion, as well as other items connected to them. In addition to learning why these two ceremonies are important to the life of the church, you'll be treated to a glimpse of an ongoing conversation among the elders about the implications of scripture in this regard. To do so though, I want you to prepare yourself in these ways. First, please approach the subject As with all our relevant and controversial topics, with a teachable spirit, be ready to learn and where necessary to be led. Two, consider your brothers and sisters in Christ. Even more, rather, consider the grace Christ has lavished on you, then how you can exhibit such grace to fellow believers who may differ with you. Three, be on the lookout for themes undergirding our dialogue. What I mean is things like how to discern essentials and non-essentials between open-handed and closed-fisted matters. You may remember that sort of language from your Grace Connections class. How to disagree graciously. How to wrestle with Scripture in community. Fourth, be mindful of the humanity of your pastors. I know some of you have Genesis and Revelation and Baptism all figured out. I'm happy for you. Uh, just... Please be patient and forgiving with us if we don't come to the same conclusions as quickly. You may find that we should have brought you into our conversation earlier or provided other avenues in addition to grace matters or have gone about it differently or simply come to different conclusions. Remember that the shepherds themselves are sheep and we appreciate your prayers. Finally, remain focused on the joys of Christ, his gifts, and the fellowship of the saints. As I thought about these points, words that came to mind were such as love, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Hopefully this is not the first time you've considered those words, especially in regard to your Christian family when dealing with disputed topics. Truly, with baptism, grace matters. So as we move to our topic, please pray with me. Father, we glorify you as the sovereign and gracious creator and Lord. Thank you for your salvation in Christ and the testimonies that bear witness to it. Thank you for your gifts and the Holy Spirit. Lead us in humility and wisdom. Let our words be honoring to you and helpful to all who hear. Let us grow into the mature knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Savior, in whose name we pray, Amen. 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 Let me briefly introduce our panel, whom you should all be familiar with. <laughs> These, actually, this is one of the very rare times that all the elders are able to come together at the same time on the same, same we're, we're missing oh, Mike. Mike. We're, oh. all right. we're short one. Okay, no. Almost oh, no, sure, sure. <laughs> No trophies for us tonight. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so
0: we have Scott Calbraith, Burt Wallace, uh, Jim McLaughlin, Lee Wilford, Brad Talley, and who better to discuss sacraments than the Christian Pope? I mean, we've got it all here. <laughs> 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 We're missing well, Mike Moneypenny Penny and, of course, me as your host. <laughs> Now, the next slide coming up will be your resources, and these are again tip of the iceberg type resources. Typically we hold the resources till the end, so you can listen to the conversation and then take those back and and review and study yourselves, but I want you to go ahead and have these on your mind as we begin our discussion. And you'll see there the the GCC white papers, which are the handouts that you have, Um, not Certainly not to put it on the same level as Scripture, but it's simply one avenue of consolidating what we've come to understand and learn through the Scriptures. Uh, Other resources that come to mind that I think we may have looked at, uh, I read R.C. Sproul has a couple of good short books out about both baptism and the Lord's Supper. Uh, Tom Schreiner has one on on baptism. We looked at uh, other historical creeds such as Westminster, as well as the 1689 Baptist Confession. So there are a lot of good resources out there, and I don't think we relied on any one particular one, uh, save for Scripture. All these other ones came in as ways to help us explain and understand what the Scriptures are teaching us. So with that, let's get started. Uh, I, I can guarantee you that even just minutes into this discussion, that I've uh, I've created the ire of some people just by the terms I've used: ordinance, sacrament. What are these words? What do they mean? And why do we do we prefer one over the other? And why? Really, we have discussed this previously. I don't know why this is taking. Place we got an hour, guys. <laughs> I like sacrament.
1: Um, for sure. The, having just looked into this recently, uh, <clears throat> did a search on the word roots of sacrament communion here recently. The idea of sacred, being set apart, holy, um, something that is other. And then I, I like the, uh, connection back to the Greek on the mint side. Um, it goes back to uh, mysterion. Is that I'm not saying that right? It's
2: a, yes, it's a Latin term.
1: Latin term. Mysterion. mysterion. All right. Um,
2: but it's all connected.
1: Yep. So sacred or holy mystery, um, for me, I really enjoy being in the middle of a mystery, not not like Sherlock Holmes, like it's a mystery we got to figure out. But uh, for instance, on the way home, I come up over. I'm coming by the airport around 540 and right there where 40 and 540 all come together, 54, you're coming up over the hump, a little hump there. And as you come over the hump, there was just this color the sunset and to the, into the kind of the blue night sky and just all the shades in there. And I understand the phenomena that are at play in those colors, but I don't understand the beauty. I, I, I perceive it, but I don't completely understand it, but I acknowledge it's there and I can exist there in it and really enjoy that, that, um, just that place. And I've really come to appreciate the fact that God will not be understood by man. He's not going to, you know, lower himself to, to where he can be completely understood by our finite minds. Um, and that's, it's important to me then personally to really acknowledge that mystery. He's revealed some of himself in very, you know, minute detail, granular detail. And then some stuff he's given us ideas about and then some stuff he's kind of left unsaid. And I like that because I like to imagine, you know, I like to imagine what, what, how much greater is he than I can even. Understand now, and I look forward to some more of the mystery being uh, revealed, but also knowing that forever there will be this not fully understood God. But I, you know, it just it just but makes then, me tick.
0: Then what about the other side ordinance? Is there anything wrong with that?
1: I don't think so. Um, we are commanded to do some things in obedience. Um, and for me, it goes hand in hand. We may not need to understand why completely, but just the fact that he said it, what's the bumper sticker said? God said it and that's good enough for me, right? Um, why? Because I said so. This is an ordinance in my house. We're going to sit down and we're going to pray at a meal. Do, do my, does my child understand it or not completely? Probably not. But that's what we're going to do.
3: Yeah, and I would add to that it, coming from a Baptist background I, I initially have always used the, the term ordinance because that's what Baptists typically use and uh, this study has been good for me I suppose in the sense that uh, the more I read the, the more I have leaned toward the sacrament term because I have studied the meaning of the of the baptism and the communion and it's so much got so much more meaning and significance than I ever really comprehended and it has more than I can really comprehend now even though I've been reading a lot about it but I agree with what Scott says that the sacredness of it, the mystery of it all and and as a Baptist I come from a view that well it's something we do and, and you know we decide to be baptized uh, we decide to take communion or whatever and as I've been studying this, I just, how wrong I've been. I've been wrong. Uh, I know that's unusual, but it, it has happened. And, and and the deal is that this is, both of these are means of grace that God has instituted and has commanded that we do. And he has, he has told us enough. He has not told us everything, the mystery of it all. Uh, is sort of mind-boggling, and the more you read, the more you study, the more you say, "This is a lot deeper than I ever thought it was." But uh, so I prefer sacrament now, but I mean, it's not a big deal. It's not, it's not an ordinance. It's not a close fist. So they could be interchangeable. Yeah.
0: Is there any fear that uh, it's too closely connected to ideas of Catholicism?
3: Well, that's always been the uh, always been my objection uh, as a Baptist is that uh, well. The, the Catholics are totally confused on the sacraments number one they got too many number two they they think the sacraments have some uh, salvific effect uh, and if you know like when the baby is baptized the baby is saved and of course as reformed we know as a reformed church we know that that's not true you're saved by grace alone and through faith alone in Christ alone uh, and it's nothing we do and certainly salvation has I mean, uh, Baptism has no effect on whether we are or not safe. Thief on the cross, obvious example. It mm-hmm. uh, was not baptized. Uh, but we are commanded and directed to be baptized uh, in Scripture quite clearly. Jesus himself tells us to be baptized. Uh, so it seems to me that the, the one thing that has struck me is why would a believer refuse to be baptized? Uh, and so... I don't think we got anybody refusing to be baptized, but... Maybe the the,
2: the, the history of, uh, understanding the history of, of how the church has understood baptism and communion. Uh, sacramentum was a Latin, Mysterio Latin term. Is Mysterion is Greek. <laughs> sacramentum is, is, is Latin. Um, but in, when did the Catholic... find
0: a brief explanation on that.
2: One of the reasons that people... Recoil, or a lot of evangelicals recoil from the word sacrament, is because it feels so Catholic. Uh, but when did the Catholics become Catholic? In the early Church, the Church understood the importance of these sacraments, and they understood it as a mystery. They understood it as a, a acts of obedience, for sure. the The word sacramentum, you know, had two primary ideas. One was a legal term in which uh, the loser in a lawsuit would dedicate certain monies to a sacred purpose. Another was an obedience, or it was a pledge that a a person in the military, a new pledge would take. So um, there are both elements, you know, that there is something set apart for a sacred use. But the term really comes from, uh, it's a religious right that has been imbued or assigned a special significance, and that was done by Jesus, not by the church, the church acknowledged that. Uh, Then, of course, the Catholic Church really became sort of what we understand the Catholic Church without nearly as much corruption in the sixth century, somewhere along in there with um, the great. Gregory? Gregory the Great. And he was great. He saved the Roman Empire from annihilation and preserved Christianity. Uh, So he was given a lot of authority, more than he should have been, and he began to move the church in a bad direction. But so many of the things that we understand about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross came from Anselm, who was in the, uh, the 11th century. So all along the way, these theologians were given us very important understanding of Christianity. Well, by the time the Reformation came, the Catholic Church had so abused and had begun believing ex opera operata or by the work worked. There's a better way of saying that with the Latin pronunciation, ex au pair something, but I don't know it. But by this point, there was such abuse that many of, some of the reformers said, we've got to completely get away from that. Actually, only one of the reformers at that level, that was Mr. Zwingli, and we are greatly influenced by him. Uh, all Protestant, a lot of Protestant churches, non-confessional Protestant churches are. But Luther, Calvin, most of the reformers said, look, it's not a matter of saying that we that the church never got it right, and we've got to throw everything out and just look at Scripture and start over. That was sort of Zwingli's approach, but not entirely. Um, So, but that's one of the reasons I think that term sacrament is so difficult for people to...
4: Well, someone said, you know, the, the number of sacraments in the Catholic Church is seven. Seven. Um, and only two of those, as you just said, were instituted by Christ. The other five, um, and I, I can always forget one, but con- confession is one, and holy orders is one, extreme unction. But those are those are all things that come out of church tradition, not out of Scripture. So the one of the things the Reformers did is kind of boil that down to the two uh that were instituted by Christ, um, and thus we preserve, you know, to this day.
0: Lee, did you, I saw you getting the mic ready, did you want to add
5: anything? Well, I, the only point that I was going to say, it's, I think it's amazing how even uh, simple words can point to our humanity, yes. <laughs> and how we bring into a discussion, a conversation, um, a lot of preconceptions, preconceived notions, ordinance, sacrament, we bring a lot into that, sure. and it just highlights our need um, for, for grace, <laughs> for the grace of Christ as we look at something, and even a simple word differentiating between the two um, can highlight just our humanity and, uh, and need for Christ as we dive into this, these issues.
0: So we've alluded to that a couple times already, and <clears throat> before I ask you what baptism is, I'll, I'll ask Um, has your or has the elders as a whole, the view on baptism changed? If so,
2: how or how much? I think maybe only to the degree that we understand it more fully. Mm -hmm. We don't believe that baptism saves a person. Uh, we understand when Peter says baptism saves you, he has also made the point that this is, as it's stated in these papers, that baptism and the Lord's Supper are outward signs of an inward belief and in understanding reality, uh, a, an inward work that has been done by God, not by us.
0: So let's get to a plain question. What is Baptism.
4: Yeah, not, it's not a very simple question, is it? It sound, no. sounds like it is. No. Um, yeah, I, I, this may be a little bit of a skirting, I don't know. But the, it, it is, I would agree with Brad that uh, I don't know that we've come, I wouldn't describe any a real difference in opinion because hmm. at the core, I guess the, the range amongst believers, um, we'll say Protestant believers, evangelical believers, would be, I guess what you're asking is exactly what's happening, what's going on. And it would be similar with the Lord's Supper. I don't want to dilute our topic. But, you know, is it just purely symbolic? Just all it is is just something we do just to remember something? Or is anything else going on? Is Christ present in some special way? Um, and, you know, so there's where, you know, the, the differing opinions can come in. So when we're talking about baptism. Certainly no one on this panel... I would suggest, suspect nobody in this room uh, thinks that to be baptized means to be saved, or that you must, uh, in some way, that baptism uh, imbues salvation on you, like to an, an infant or even a, an adult, um, or that someone who has not been baptized cannot therefore be saved. I, no, I don't. I certainly none of us would say that. I don't think anyone out there would say that. So what is it? I mean, you know, it's. Um, obviously, there's different modes of doing it. Can I, can I yeah, just please, add one thing? In sure. The,
2: you you yeah. jump right back in. Nor would we say that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. You can exactly. be saved without being baptized. Our question would be, why would you?
4: Yeah,
2: right. Uh, right. But you don't have to be baptized in order to be saved. Certainly... Uh, it. I mean, just to get very basic
4: about it, it, has, it involves water. Um, how that water, water is administered, obviously, is uh, there are different practices there, different ideas about which is proper. Um, uh, the one that this church practices, of course, is immersion out of the Baptist tradition, um, which seems, although I think this is even debatable, but seems to be, um, though Scripture doesn't say, Jesus was immersed in the River Jordan, but certainly he went—he went into the river. Well, he went into the the river. Certainly, absolutely. Well, hang, hold on, to hang that. on,
0: hang on, hang on to that. Have comments or questions? Be sure to email them. Right. So,
4: just to say, though, I mean, certainly we could talk about the, the meanings of the words, but certainly historically, there have been other other practices, and that's really all I'm saying. That immersion being what we practice, what I think all of us have experienced as as believers, yes. um, all of us up here. I mean, uh, certainly myself. Um, then there's uh, the the sprinkling, which, and again, even with that, there's uh, infant baptism, certainly in the Catholic tradition, in the. Uh, Covenant, which would be a very different understanding about what's going on there in the covenantal tradition, like in the PCA Church, where I wasn't born into that tradition, but kind of grew up in that, and infant baptism is practiced in that uh, tradition. And then there's one maybe less familiar to some people of pouring, um, which in some ways combines the two. You know, where you sort of lean over a basin and our our you know, water is poured over your head. Your head is in in that sense immersed in in water. So. But certainly, water, really, that was a long way of saying it's, it's a use of water uh, to, as an outward sign, as Christ did uh, in the River Jordan, of a rebirth. It's not not causing that rebirth, but in some way symbolic of that.
3: Well, we, in the beginning, we obviously adopted immersion as, as what we will practice, and that's the only one we practice. Uh, But we, at the time, we were also aware that there are many faithful believers from other traditions who have not been immersed but have been baptized in their tradition. And uh, under the leadership of Ricky Mill and some study, uh, we decided that at least from the covenant perspective, there's a biblical defense for uh, infant baptism, for example. There's also a biblical defense uh, in the covenant tradition for uh, sprinkling or pouring, uh, and church history tells us quite clearly in the as early as the second century, sprinkling and pouring were both common uh, modes of baptizing folks. Uh, but we, we, re- we read the scripture as uh, dunking is the preferred way that we, we want to practice.
2: After a profession.
4: After a profession,
3: After, right. Per, per, yeah, but we, but we do not want to throw our Christian brothers under the bus because they come from a different tradition. Uh, and, and so we don't view it closed-fisted at all. In
4: terms of mode.
1: Yeah, in terms of mode. There's some places I think very uh, simply, believe it or not, uh, this is one. What is baptism? I've always thought of it as... Identification into uh,
2: the body of Christ, mm-hmm. yes. Whatever The In
1: baptism into Moses, bat, you know, baptism into Christ. Uh, Holy Spirit, you know, baptizes us into the Spirit, um, and at the at the root of it, for me, is an identification into. Blank, I'm baptized into something, right? Um, I can lie that I identify with whatever it is, and fool the world by showing that sign, whatever you know, by whatever means that sign is 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 shown. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I can tell the truth about it, but you would. You can't tell the difference just from the sign. Only God can tell the difference. An outward, invisible sign of an inward and invisible face, right? And it's just like, I mean, I can sit here and say, I love you. That's an outward sign of what I'm, you know, maybe I do, maybe I don't. But that all you've got is I love you. Right? Um, and our hope with the teaching is that we just don't want you to lie to God, to the spirit, to your brothers and sisters. Um, and there is a preferred mode here based on, uh, like all these guys are saying, the, the balance of what we studied in church tradition. Um, the important part, though, is the, the true invisible identification that only God, through Jesus, by the Spirit, can uh, bring about. And so it's a, it's, it's a response at the end of the day. Um, I would say, I would lean, you all going to learn a lot about me here, the <laughs> unction, right? I think it's an irresistible response. It's not versus more of a decision in, at the end of the day.
2: Yes, and so... Therefore, that which is the invisible reality that is in us is that which God has worked.
6: Mm-hmm. If you take a look at the first page, even of the white paper you have in front of you, for example, in the third or fourth paragraph, I think, is to speak of salvation in baptism is not to say the plunging in water justifies, but rather the spirit who regenerates. So the physical act of going into the baptismal pool and being immersed in water is not what's regenerating you a la, you know, Jim's comment earlier about the thief on the cross. <laughs> he had no opportunity. And yet, you know, the, the eunuch who is speaking and says, well, there's water, why don't we baptize? You know, why don't I get baptized? He did have the opportunity. But neither one of those are what regenerated him. It was the Holy Spirit. And so I think it's, it's a little bit, Oh, I say a little bit, it's a lot of a mystery when you get right down to it, because I, like Jim was born and raised in a Southern Baptist tradition and didn't hear the word sacrament, heard ordinance pretty much all the time and didn't really hear sacrament until we started coming to, to grace and have learned quite a bit through the discussions we've had. And we've been discussing this topic and others for well over two years now. Just so that you all are aware, this isn't something we Oh, this is this is fantastic. Let's put this on paper. And Neil sat down and typed it out last week. This has been in, in, the, in the kitchen for a while, cooking. And so I do want you to know our hearts in this are uh, obviously, and Neil specified this early, a gentleness. Because we all come from things in our own perspective, and our own experiences color things to the point where sometimes it's difficult for us to see an open-handed thing as it is, and to us it may be closed-fisted. And so we definitely want to be uh, seeking God's leading in prayer that he will show us what he has us or has for us to see in this. This is, like has been mentioned before, kind of a, a touchy subject, but at the same time it's uh, well worth the study.
4: Well, it's interesting, too, that you, you alluded to this, but the, the outward sign of it, it's interesting that obviously somebody could be uh, baptized who was not regenerate. I mean, someone so could lie about it and just say, well, I want to join this church, or I, I, I feel like uh, you know, and I'm a certain age and all my friends have been baptized, so I'll be baptized as well. Um, but, it, you know, but it's not the act. That act doesn't, you know, that's, that's a false. That's a, uh, I don't know, I, I, for lack of a better word, a meaningless symbol in that case. You know, someone who just saying, well, you know, I don't believe any of this, but I'm just going to go through this ritual um, that would have you know, no effect. And in fact, certainly in the Baptist tradition, uh, there's, there seems to be quite a, a tradition of adults um, coming to faith as adults who were baptized as children, but then feel the, the need to or the desire to be rebaptized or baptized, truly baptized, you might say. Um, uh, the phrase that I often heard was baptized on the right side of my salvation. <laughs> So, so that you know, I, maybe I was baptized as a kid, and that, but I didn't really understand it, or I didn't really believe it at all. But now I do, and so I want to go through that as a believer, which yeah. is, you know, certainly proper. Yeah, that's
3: a deep topic about uh, when, when you have to be baptized. Uh, obviously, it seems the preferred way is you, you believe, and then you're baptized. That's what we get reading scripture over and over. But we also see the covenant tradition where. The the infant is baptized and becomes a believer later, but that baptism is good in their tradition. But it's a means of grace in the book, uh, Grace Alone, that uh, Bert and I talked about on a previous panel. There's an excellent discussion in there, about a four- or five-page discussion about why baptism is a means of grace, but it's only a means of grace to those who believe. It's a meaningless thing for those who don't believe.
2: Yeah, I think uh, means of grace. Well, I do want to say this about baptism and, and the different modes and the different theological positions. Um, I remember discussing with Sean Cross one time, and Sean was, was leaning toward a PCA understanding, a covenant understanding. He's not now, but I said w- why? I just don't think I could ever believe that. And Sean said, you know, I I see in Scripture, I see immersion, but the people that minister to me the most theologically and that I agree with the most are all covenant baptists, like R.C. Sproul, Tim Keller, um, John Frame, the people that really inform a lot of what we believe today are covenant baptism uh, position. I, I don't agree with that. I do believe that they have their reasons for it, and theological positions are important for all of us. Whatever we understand about the Trinity is a theological construct. We have agreed with people through the centuries who have told us what it means that God is a triune God. And they base their construct on Scripture, but it is there's no place you can go in Scripture and say, this is exactly this verse right here is really we're just stating this verse in I mean in in a in, in a way that people get no it's a it it, it is a a construct so um, then I forgot what I was going to say <laughs> about uh, that's normal yes but we're talking about modes modes no it's, I was. Oh, you talking? You were saying that it only is meaningful for those who believe. Um, and that is absolutely true about both of the sacraments, baptism and, and the Lord's Supper. And again, I had another thought, but it's completely gone. I'll jump back in a little bit.
1: For me, it's going a... Dig- out, um, oh. Go ahead, Luke.
5: Uh, the word that comes to mind is an expression. Um, it's a, a means of grace by which we get to express our, our faith um, in Jesus Christ. It, it represents our death, our burial, and our resurrection um, in identifying um, with Christ. And uh, the second thought is, it, I think it's certainly agreed upon that uh, it is not a salvific work. Baptism does not save you. And the means by which you choose to recognize your baptism also does not save you. Um, we, we have all agreed um, on our means of baptism, and we certainly agree with our brothers and sisters in Christ um, in the baptism that they recognized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, because as Brad said, there is, there is theological uh, stance for the two primary uh, sides. So I think it's important that we recognize that Baptism does not save you and neither does does the means by which you are baptized. So I I pray that those two things are not uh, issues that can create um, division and that we aren't divisive um, when we discuss these things, uh, both here and and, and going forward, um, and that we use these uh, opportunities to grow, uh, that it's it's, uh, just conversations that we can have uh, that force us uh, into Scripture and into um, edifying conversations, um, edifying discussions, and panels like this uh, that allow us uh, to grow in our faith and our understanding of uh, of scripture
3: and of our own faith. I think it's vital to know that, to understand that we have many members in this church who come from the covenant background, who have not been immersed, and their baptism is recognized and honored by this church.
1: And it has and that's been true the since the
4: beginning.
3: And that's yeah. been the truth since day one. And we're not changing that.
4: Yeah, I mean, this is a little bit, little bit of a tangent to that, but it's just an interesting note. Maybe a friend. Of, this is years ago, but a friend of mine. Uh, we were talking about this subject, and and he sometimes baptism is connected to denominational uh, membership, and he had, in the course of his life, he was a, a, a pastor, and he had been associated with different denominations or different, um, you know, stripes or or whatever of similar denominations, but he had been required by these denominations twice after his initial believer's baptism by immersion. Uh, He went to a a slightly different denomination, and they said, well, you're going to have to be baptized in this church by our people, Um, and that happened to him a second time as well, Um, and he, he told me that I'm glad it hasn't come to it happening another time because I think I just wouldn't be able to, to do that. I think I'm dishonoring my baptism by sort of saying, well, you know, and that's not even talking about mode. I mean, these are all immerse, immersive baptisms. So um, we definitely are way far away from that perspective of, you know, you've got to be in a very specific, uh, you know, only our denominational baptism by immersion, you know, I'll, counts. I remember
2: you know. Sinclair Ferguson saying one time, I went to church on Sunday, I communed with the Lord and his people at the table, and I remembered my baptism, and I thought, you, you can't remember your baptism, that was when you were a baby, you know, and yet, he understood the significance of baptism, and I, I, I don't think, Neil, you intended for this to be about mode, it's, we've, uh-huh. it's, it's turned into that. I think maybe one of the things that, you're talk, asking about the significance of baptism, One of the things that was like an epiphany for me, that really it wasn't an epiphany that I fully understand this now, but it began to expand my thinking about the the depth of meaning in baptism was when Sam Brown, Presbyterian, asked David Calvert in uh, his ordination, is baptism, or he was talking about communion, but it's the same for baptism. Is this something we do for God, or is it something He does for us? And I, I don't suppose I had ever thought about, is this something God does for us? Because i always thought of it in, a, in, in my tradition as something that I do out of obedience, strictly, only. But is there special significance? And then you look at a text like Romans 6, And there is great significance about the Spirit's work in our life associated with water baptism.
3: Yeah, if you read Romans 6, then the answer is, it's something God does for us. But elsewhere, I, I think that's one of those questions you can answer yes.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
3: And that was a question you asked earlier,
5: some of the things that we have been enlightened to in our discussion, and that, w- that is one for me, is uh, growing up as a, a Baptist, a Southern Baptist, um, I never saw my baptism, my uh, taking of, uh, partaking of the Lord's Supper as something that, that God was doing for me continuously by His grace, uh, so I'm, I'm thankful that through our study um, in this, that the, the thought, is this something that I do for the Lord, or that He does and has done for me. I'm, I'm grateful for
2: that. And I want to add one more thing too. I'm sorry. Uh, when I was going through Hebrews. I remember the warning passages. Uh, and how much of an impact. this made on me. Do we believe that once God has saved us. We can ever lose that salvation. Can we throw it away even? No. No. We don't. If it's a work of God. It's, it's a permanent work of God. And the writer of Hebrews says, but don't you walk away from Jesus because you do so to the internal damnation of your soul. And is he saying you can lose what God has given? No, but it's a means of grace. It, 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 if we start to walk away and just say, oh, I just don't care about church, I just don't care about this, that, those warning passages, or if we become as the Hebrew, as the people that Hebrews was written to, we become so, well, it's all about my works. Hebrews says, don't go there. Don't make less of Jesus. And I would think the same thing is true about the sacraments. They are means of grace. They help us in our spiritual life. How? I don't know. At the level that Scripture seems to indicate
4: another this is just getting back to that original question what is it i think and this is the very bottom of that first page it talks about it's a public act and that seems very important to me that it's yeah. it's something that's part of the body a, a local body not not something that i just do for myself uh, or you know but it's it's a it's a public you know proclamation much like or similar to the way that communion is a communal taking together of, of this. So it's all, all, both of those things seem to me to be really rooted in the life of the body of Christ, the, ch- the church, the local church.
1: Yeah, I'll uh, put it this way. A heavy emphasis on God saves me as an individual leads to, in my opinion, an, an importance on the nuance of of the topic, versus a leaning towards God is saving a people, of which I am a member. Then it becomes it becomes another thing in your in your mind. It's a picture. Mm-hmm. It's not only just what is going on uh, in my in my heart or not. I mean, God is so big and so wise and capable to do whatever he wants to do, that even if you're lying to him, there's a picture of what you're going through. It's still an outward sign. It may be of, you know, it may be a mockery, but someone is sitting there and God is preaching his gospel through someone who's lying. That's how great he is. You know, all things work together. You know, all things, and it's and, and it's part of a part of the people that he, that that we forget, or the the aspect of the people of God, I think, that we forget sometimes. Um, I'm doing it because, yeah, Scripture said it, but the church, the Orthodox Church, throughout history, says this is important. You know, and we're following in the footsteps there, and it, and the people who see it, hear the see and hear the gospel as the word is preached, and they see the people of God being obedient to it um, and hopefully and this is not the right i know, a <laughs> pagan um, don't go there <laughs> hopefully certain hopefully right <laughs> biblical hope um, is that the real thing is going on inside our hearts inside our minds that there's real submission real belief But here's the here's the um, conundrum. Back to Hebrews. Those who are saved are the ones who are standing there in the end. Believing. Right. We don't know right now. Right. You know, only God knows and we will know we will be assured while we're standing there in the last day, believing Christ. And well, I think that's part of the part of the issue is you, we're we're unsure. The he, the Hebrews are the, mm-hmm. the Hebrew people in Rome. They were under heavy persecution, yeah. and yeah. you're sitting here going, I think I believe, I hope I believe, I don't know. Do I believe? I really want to ditch this whole thing because my life is being threatened, and I'm just I just don't know what to do. And you know. The writer is coming back, in, coming in on that. And say, don't worry; it's a work that God has done. If you're standing in the end, you believe, don't walk away. It, you know, it's a, it's an encouragement it all works from together. that. It's yeah, it, that's all, it all works together. Yeah, i was going to
6: add that. It does it is interesting when you look at the, the corporate act. I think that's if you want to call it a problem, part of the problem that it's a, a visual that the body can see as well as the outside world. So we layer on our own perspective and our own insight as to whether or not it's performed correctly, whatever it is that we are viewing. And so when you're discussing this, I'm thinking about even home group this last week and the sermon this last week, when we're talking about Jesus's uh, instruction on how to pray. You know, God continually through Jesus is telling us and he calls us little children multiple times. And I think about the table and baptism, the cleansing of the Holy Spirit and God's provision for our lives in daily bread you know, he's providing for us as ones that can't provide for ourselves. And when you view the sacraments, I, and I view them that way, these are not things that I can do for myself. So even in Sam Brown's question to David, yes, it's something we do for God, and yes, it's something God does for us, but m- far more the latter, because I can't yeah. take care of myself. Yeah,
3: right. Yeah, we're, co- we're completely hopeless without him doing it.
0: Two part question for you, and the first part should be easy enough. Um, throughout the course of this ongoing study and conversation that the elders have had, have the elders as a group always been 100% in agreement about every implication, every detail, every nuance? Of, of course. Of, <laughs> of,
3: <laughs> sure. is, um, of everything. I cannot tell a lie. Of course
4: we have. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I wanted to say that before we ended. What a great discussion this has been. We, we, Because as the elders, we have had these discussions, never divisive, but not always in agreement and pretty lively. Uh, but it's okay. It's it. We did it with, we've just, we've Entered this conversation Mm -hmm. with a desire to know and to grow and to understand, Mm -hmm. and I've grown in my understanding.
3: I I would say, having been on the board longer than anybody up here, the the joy of this study is overwhelming Mm -hmm. because we have disagreed on many points at many times, and we have disagreed strongly but I've never seen anger.
0: Mm-mm.
3: I've never seen anybody with an agenda. I've never seen one man up here who wanted to have his way about this. Mm-hmm. We all look to what Jesus wants us to do.
4: Yeah, and those are, as a, as a teacher, and m- many of you can probably relate to this as teachers or students, I'm thinking of my own student experiences too, that gosh, the most valuable times are not just when a guy is standing up there just talking to you about something, but when you're really discussing it and even, like, arguing about it and different people in the class have different ideas and, um, you know, that's when uh, those are the most, in my experience, the most valuable learning times when you're really wrestling with something and not just sort of passively receiving, you know, some
2: information or something like that. But G.K. Chesterton had a – his mom had a, a boy – it was his brother at five years old. And Chesterton was quite a character. And he said, now I shall always have an audience when he was five. <laughs> but when they, when they were older, they used to argue incessantly, so much so that people would cross the street when they would see them coming. They just didn't want to be a part of it. But Chesterton said, I am happy to say that we have never quarreled. What a lesson yeah. Yeah. Good. for us.
5: And that, that's probably a result of, of love, each discussion being… And respect. Being, and respect, yes. Charity, absolutely. And I, I'm so thankful that that's something that we experience every time we do get together and discuss anything. It is, is in a spirit of love, and uh, it's such a privilege to be a part of that and to know that this church is led by a group of men who rest in that.
0: Well, following up on how to disagree agreeably, set those boundaries for us. With baptism, what is essential to agree upon, and what are those areas where we should extend grace and liberty and, and charity?
4: Well, certainly, uh, we've said this already, but, but a, a, a non-negotiable, so to speak, would be the non it's too negative, the non-salvific nature of baptism, like we anyone who would say, "Well, really, there's something happening that is saving you in the act of being baptized. We would all say that that's a pretty, I think, am I
2: right? Yes. I mean,
4: it's definitely a, you know, a very central issue that we'd say, no, no, no that, that's a misunderstanding of what baptism
2: is. And as we accept other modes of baptism, like the infant, uh, the covenant position, it must be done in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, if if I have baptized all the people that I have had the pleasure and the privilege to baptize here at, at Grace, um, if I denied the faith because of what Scott said earlier, that baptism is not then, right, it, it's not negated, it, it, it it's still meaningful because it's the work of God and What we do is only known by God anyway. Who we are as we say the words. But the words are crucial. And Jim Aycock on the communion when I first started leading at the Lord's table. Would you know hold the bread up and say this is my body. And he said say that Jesus said this is my body. And I appreciated that that help. Jesus said this is my body. Because there's a big difference when you hold it up and say, this is my body. You could be, this is Catholic, you know, um, view of communion where this bread becomes the body. So those words of distinction are very important. And that the words of, what's, um, words of, what am I looking Institution. Institution yes. The, uh, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
0: Your Any last additions to that uh, answer we... to that question? Well, gentlemen, I am blessed to be among you. Thank you for your uh, conversation this evening, and I, I hope all of you were, were blessed as well. Um, let me remind you as you consider tonight's discussion and returning again next week as we look at the Lord's Supper or communion and even how church membership comes into the picture. Um, ideas, questions that you have, please get them in by Saturday so we can have a chance to review them. You can email them again to Matters at graceccnc.org. And as we close out tonight's discussion and disassemble from the, the presence of the Lord, I'll ask Pastor Burt to uh, give us a, Beseech the Lord for his
4: blessing. Yeah, please join me in prayer if you would. Lord, we just worship you tonight. We praise you and honor you. I just thank you so much for this time that we can all come together as a as a body of believers of your church. I thank you for everyone in this room and what they mean to this local body. Um, that you have you've called together, Lord. It's all your you're doing. You have called us, uh, you have put us where we are, you have brought us together in this place, not only tonight, but in in more general terms in in our church that is Grace Community Church. And we just praise you as a sovereign and holy and mighty God who loves us, who has shown mercy to us, extended grace to us. And I just thank you for the, the privilege that I have to be amongst the people that are in this room tonight. May everyone here just continue to love each other, support each other, I thank you for the church and uh, how we support and love and care for each other as you have called us to do. And I just thank you so much for the the privilege of being here uh, in this body. Um, As we go out tonight, uh, our separate ways back into our homes and uh, thinking about work tomorrow and whatever else is going on, health problems and um, uh, difficulties, other difficulties in our lives, I just pray that we would always cling to the hope that we have in Christ um I, just, I thank you that uh, we know that your word tells us that we can cast all our cares on you because you care for us, and you have done so much for us, Lord. So just be with us all as we go out. Thank you again for this time, and we just pray all these things in the name of the one who saves us, the one who lived and died and was risen again, so that we could, could come to you and make our, our, ourselves known to you and be known by you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.